It is my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts Podcast brought to you by Beach Commute. And today, I've got my friend Paulette, who's going to be joining us, who's also with me in Cape Town. Paulette, what's going on? Hi, Jeff. How are you? Good. i am just played a little bit of paddle today. I've been roasting in the sun. That's why you guys can't see on the podcast, but I'm like beet red right now because I'm about to explode. I can so, see it. <laughs> He's sweating. He's profusely sweating. <laughs> I, just, I just got out of the shower. I just got oh, out of the shower, actually. That's what that is. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just ran up here to podcast real quick, and now I'm sweating out of camera. Yeah, I feel that. I was outside earlier, did my first ever Pilates class. So, you know, Ooh. I'm a Pilates girl now. It was hard, and it was hot, but, you know, we're, we're moving the body, so that's all good things. Is that, does it work that way? You get one Pilates class, and you get classified as a Pilates girl? In my mind... It absolutely does work that way because I have never, ever been someone who likes to work out. I've tried the longest I've ever gone, like going to the gym pretty consistently was three months, which was like a huge accomplishment, but I haven't taken an actual class since college. So yes, I have to tell myself I'm a Pilates girl now, so that I'll keep going. Part of the motivation. Yeah. And how was it? It was good. It was hard for me, but then I talked to one of the girls who's a local afterwards, and she goes to like every single class, and she said that that was the calmest class she's ever been to. So now I'm scared. I'm very scared to continue going because oh, it was hard for me promise. and she was like, I didn't even sweat. And I was like, oh, great. Good to hear. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're just dying. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. but we're working on it. Good job. All right. Well, why don't we do a quick introduction, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Yes. Hello. My name is Colette or Coco, if you're a good friend or a family member. No, I am originally from Atlantic Beach, Florida. I was born and raised there. Same house my whole life up until, of course, I went off to college. And then after college, I moved to Asheville, North Carolina for a few years. Absolutely loved it up there. It was a great change in scenery. And then... While living in Asheville, I got my first remote job and immediately kind of packed my bags <laughs> and moved out of Asheville and actually back home for about a year because I had no money. Asheville's very nice, but it is also quite expensive. And I was living by myself. So in order to 
really kickstart the nomad lifestyle. I needed to swallow my ego a little bit and move home for, I think it was about six months to a year before I kind of started traveling just to save money. What was that first remote job that you got? And did you seek that out? I did not seek it out. The first remote job that I got was a sourcing specialist for a sales and marketing company. I got it through a little sprinkle of nepotism. I (laughs) have a distant cousin who I reached out to just asking him questions about getting into the recruiting world because that's what I was interested in at the time. And he basically said, and this company was in Jacksonville, but it was a, you know, a global company, a very large company, but the headquarters was in my hometown. And so I was just chatting with him about, you know, the best ways to, to be a recruiter. And he said, well, why don't you work for me? And I said, well, I don't want to move back home, which is ironic because that's what I ended up doing. (laughs) But he said, well, you don't have to, you can work remotely. And I genuinely had never even thought about that before. I definitely was not seeking it out. But as soon as I discovered that that was a thing that one could do, I was like, this sounds amazing. So that was my first remote job. And I had that job for about two and a half years. And how was that transition to going to remote work? Were you just working at home, working in cafes? Walk me through that. Yeah, it was interesting because I did the job before that was an office job. You know, you dress up, go into the office every day and I definitely enjoyed the social aspect of the office job because I had amazing coworkers. So when I started working remotely, it was a lot of at home, which is fine for me because I like being alone as well. But it was definitely more of a mouse mover job than the job that I have now. <laughs> and if if you're a nomad, you know what a mouse mover is. It's you're, you're working, but you can kind of work from anywhere, you know, as long as you're online moving your mouse, it's a pretty, you're pretty chill job. Yeah. So yeah. I, I could be in cafes. I could be at home. I could be at a concert as long as I didn't have a call. So it was pretty flexible. We first met in Bolivia back in 2019. Was this the same job that you had? It was. Yes, it was. And Bolivia was my first big nomad trip. So I have known you since the very beginning for me. That's a hell of a first start. Yeah. (laughs) Most people we recommend. Now, do something easy. Do do Mexico City, do Playa del Carmen, do Colombia. And you went full on Bolivia, which is one of the more difficult places I've had to live. Both from a just an environment standpoint, I mean, you're sitting at like 4,000 meters. It's hard to breathe. It's hard to exercise. And then we've had this crazy mesh network that Diego set up with like three satellites pointing at each other. He created like the original Starlink just so that we could get, so that we could get any sort of reception out on the, the family ranch. What in God's name made you decide you wanted to do Bolivia? 
That is a great question. I'm going to be honest. I am pretty impulsive. Kind of when I decide I want to do something, I just kind of jump in head first. So I had joined Wi-Fi Tribe immediately, pretty much, after I re- after I got my first remote job. But then, like I mentioned, I didn't actually go on a trip for a while because I was saving up money. So I was in Wi-Fi Tribe for about a year before I even went on a trip. And, you know, you're you're on the Slack, you're seeing what chapters everybody's talking about, and everyone kept talking up Bolivia and just saying how amazing it was and how, you know, close the group was. And so... I kind of just thought, fuck it. (laughs) If I'm going to do it, let's do it. And yeah, I guess just through kind of word of mouth is why I chose Bolivia. I'd never thought about Bolivia before in my entire life. Probably wasn't even aware that it was like a country on a map up until I started nomading. Um, And it was amazing. I honestly think that it was the perfect first chapter for me it was a small group small tight-knit group you know there wasn't a whole lot to do outside of the houses if you're not doing like big adventure things so you could focus you know it's not there wasn't an easy walk to a cafe let's say that you know you can't just let me run out and grab lunch and then come back and then maybe get distracted you're at the house yeah. and you're working you're the house. and eating there and just really felt like the bond of that group. Also, the adventure was insane and amazing and scary all at the same time. So yeah, it was a big decision to choose Bolivia, but I'm very happy that I did. What did it feel like doing that first chapter? You did your first remote thing this first remote adventure did it feel like i need to do this forever now did it like flip a switch in your brain and okay now i'm a remote person that's it yes i would definitely say that happened it was scary at first but just kind of the logistics of it were nerve-wracking you know getting down to bolivia every flight lands at like three o'clock in the morning there was three flights for me yeah exactly it takes a while to get down there so nerve-wracking at first but then you know I I just felt immediately like that's that's what I was supposed to be doing and went on two more chapters pretty quickly after that like within three or four months, I think. I went on two more chapters before COVID hit. So yeah, it was definitely pretty much an instant click for me. From a work standpoint, what did that transition look like? Was it was it easy? Did you have to did you have to change things about your life drastically because you've already worked from home or was it pretty simple? The hardest part was probably just telling my boss <laughs> that that's what I wanted to do. How did that go? Yeah, it was interesting. I wasn't <laughs> sure, honestly, if I even wanted to tell him 
But then, you know, there's the whole, like, you have to sign on to a VPN and, like, all of that logistics. I was like, they're probably going to find out anyway. And I'm not a great liar. So, um, so I talked to him about it. And, yeah, he definitely didn't really understand it. But he was kind of... He kind of said, okay, as long as, you know, you're still getting your work done. It's not going to, you know, actually hinder your job in any way. And then I just kind of tried to keep it on the down low from coworkers because I didn't want to, you know, rub it in anyone's face because there were a bunch of people actually in office. We had a very large office. So I tried to keep it on the down low, but that didn't really work. You know, people on calls, they ask, where are you right now? You can hear a rooster in the background. <laughs> like Five dogs. Yeah, exactly. Archie. Five dogs, the rooster that has no concept of time. They never do. They never no. do. Two in the morning, two in the afternoon. That whatever you see in movies, bullshit. Roosters don't know what time it is. They have they no care. idea. They go off at all hours of the day and night. But yeah, so to answer your question, again, it was a I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest, it was a pretty simple job. So it really wasn't a huge adjustment for me. As long as I had Wi Fi and some sort of quiet place to be during the few calls that I had, it was it was not a difficult adjustment. Mm-hmm. And so after that, you said you went on a few other trips. Where, where are the, what other places stick out in your mind when you think these are awesome places that I went as a digital? Well, jumping forward, some of my favorite places that might be a little less kind of obvious. I really liked Istanbul, Turkey. And that might not be the first place that would come to mind for a digital nomad, but they actually had a ton of cafes, like really nice, cute cafes that you can go work from. It's a very economical place to live. So, you know, it's it's very cheap. And I just really liked, you know, the atmosphere in Turkey. As far as other places to work from... Gosh, we did Florianopolis in Brazil, which was a pretty cool place to be. I enjoyed Floripa because it was more of a like very relaxed beach town as compared to like Rio or Sao Paulo. So I don't know if you would like it very much. But, Everybody uh, knows I wouldn't. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if you've been down there, but very relaxed vibes, great sushi, not a ton of places to work there. So if you really enjoy going out to cafes, that might not be the place for you, but we had a big house that we just stayed at and worked from there. And right now I'm in Cape Town, South Africa, which is amazing. And I'm loving it here. I do work from my home just because I am now with this job on calls all day, every day. So I need to be in a quiet place. But I know that people go out to co-works every day and they go out to cafes every day. So plenty of places to work in Cape Town as well. And what's the job that you have now? 
The job I have now is an admissions coordinator for a teen travel company. So basically that's sales and customer service. We do like summer trips for teenagers. And so I am talking to families most of the day. So that's kind of why I'm on the phone all the time. And how are you? I know you're working crazy hours. Like, what is it? Seven to three, something like that. It's managing. uh, Yeah. It's currently it is 6 p.m. to 3 a.m. That are that is my work hours. I have to work Pacific Coast time. So that is your lunch. Big Mr. My lunch is an o'clock. Yeah. 10 p.m. So you know, I'm going to be honest, it has not been that bad for me personally. I am more of a night person anyway. So as far as like staying up that late, that's not really the struggle. The struggle is missing out on everything that happens at night. You know, people going to dinner, people going out, even just the sunsets. You know, sunsets are a huge thing here in Cape Town and people love to to go down and watch them. And I can't do that during the week. So I would say that's the struggle for me. But, you know, it's worth it for sure. I knew going into this job that I was going to have to work Pacific Coast hours. And I think it's good to kind of let people know that not everyone who's a digital nomad makes their own hours. Because I think that's a lot of what you see is, you know, freelancers or, you know, people who have control over their schedule. And that's great. And that's amazing. And I'm happy for you. But... Not everyone who's a nomad is doing that. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's just like nice to know that, you know, if you really want to make it happen, you will. Like I didn't have to come to Cape Town. You know, I didn't have to go to a place that's 10 hours ahead of the time zone I need to work in. But I really wanted to. And so I made it happen. It's kind of a sticking point for a lot of people. And they... A lot of people don't want to become a digital nomad because they think it's going to be way too difficult to negotiate time. But I'd say half to three quarters of my friends are taking calls at night. Like into you're the extreme example for sure. Yes. But a lot of them are taking calls up until eight, nine, ten o'clock at night, and it's still worth it. Nobody I've talked to says I would not prefer to be here in Cape Town and taking late calls. It's just yes. like you make it work. You just rearrange your life schedule. And you're making it work just fine. Exactly. And I have said this multiple times. I think it's better for my health overall to not be able to go out to eat every night and go out and get drinks every night. And, you know, it leaves pretty much the entire day to do other things, which is actually really cool. You know, today I did the the Pilates class in the morning and then I went and got a smoothie and now I'm doing this and then I'm going to go, you know, to an appointment and I'm doing all of that before work and having plenty of time left over. So, so that's cool. Ladies who brunch. Yes. Ladies who lunch. Ladies who lunch. Yes. We are trying to make that a thing to go to lunch with our girlfriends at least once a week. Um, because my friends are also working nighttime. So we can't be ladies who dinner. So we have to be ladies who lunch. (laughs) And that's like another one of the huge benefits where 
here in Cape Town, it just happens to be a period in time when every digital nomad we know is in town. Yes. And you've got you've got friends available all the time. Like exactly. You just go down to a coffee shop and you've got 15 of your best friends just like working or like ready to go out and, and get some dinner or something like that. It's just like a little family scattered throughout one little town. It's amazing. It really is. And you see them even when you're not expecting to. You know, I've ran mm-hmm. into people I know on the streets of South Africa multiple times since I've been here. So it's really nice. There's definitely a very large digital nomad community here. So that's really cool. It's Cape Town seems like a big place, but I guess when you know as many people as we do here, it's really not. (laughs) You'll see them everywhere. What would you say if I asked you is your the top moment that you could think of or top moments, whatever comes to mind since starting your life as a digital nomad? my gosh. Okay. You know, it's funny because I kind of do go back to the very beginning to, to Bolivia. And one of the scariest things I've ever done is actually also kind of one of the top moments, you know, the, the ATV trip that we took. Were you on that trip? No, I don't think you I was were. on the previous one. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't okay. on the one where Quinn went flying off. The yeah. You weren't on the but one yeah, where someone the, almost died. So yeah, that tell, was... Tell the audience about that one. Yeah. So we decided... So in case people aren't aware, Diego is from Bolivia. I mean, he's from many, many places, but it is one of his homes in Bolivia. So he's very familiar with the area. So we decided to take ATVs on a very long trip up the mountains to camp overnight and then come back. Very long. It's talking like eight hours. Yes. It was like six hours one way and eight hours back. And... The whole ride was pretty scary because you are on the side of a mountain and they're not necessarily real trails that you're going down. So, like, I love ATVing, but I don't love heights and being on the side of a mountain. So, the whole thing was just kind of, like, anxiety-inducing. But we got up there. Jess actually crashed as well. Jess Murray, she, I don't know if I should have just name dropped her, but another friend crashed as well. She crashed into the mountain, thankfully not off of it, but that was on the way up. And then on the way down, there was a spot on the trail that got pretty narrow and you had to really kind of like jerk the handlebars to get around it. And one of our I lovely... remember that. Yeah, you remember you that have to exact kind of spot. Go, you have to like crab crawl sideways. Yeah. To get to, to keep going straight. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, that was a little nerve wracking. I just hammered the gas and, and hope for the best. Yeah, it was. And I don't know what Quinn did <laughs> because I was I think probably two ATVs behind him and again it was a sharp turn, so you couldn't see what was happening on the other side, but Basically, by the time I get to that turn, people are off their ATVs and looking over the side of the mountain, and immediately your heart drops, because why else would they be 
stopped and looking over the side of the mountain. So nice view. I don't. Yeah, know. no. Look at this view. No, it wasn't that. It was not that. Okay. Our friend had launched himself off of the side of the mountain, and because he's Quinn, and he is just an amazing human and very agile, I guess. He, like, ninja jumped off of the ATV and landed on the one small little ledge that was on the side of this mountain. Meanwhile, his ATV at the bottom crashed on the bottom. But thankfully, he was okay. But yeah, so that was very scary, but also just, like, the whole trip in general was just something that I'll never do again. (laughs) But I will also never forget. So yeah, so that was a big highlight and then honestly I also think about Costa Rica that hotel that we used to work from that had the amazing infinity pool oh I don't uh, know if you ever actually worked from there yes but they had great wife no I don't I don't work from hotels like that I drink it yeah well I did both. (laughs) I saw you do both. (laughs) Yeah. So that was amazing as well because it was just this beautiful place with great Wi-Fi and it was like empty all the time. And they had this amazing infinity pool and this amazing view of of Costa Rica and the beach. So just being able to like work from there and then immediately, you know, get a drink and hop in the pool after was definitely a highlight for sure. That was amazing. And that was an amazing trip. What? What would you say would be the worst moments? The moments that didn't make that Instagram real. One of our apartments in Istanbul, which I did mention is one of my favorite places, and it still is, was horrible. It, it was just really dirty and cluttered, and the washing machine was not actually like hooked up to a pipe. It was just a tube that apparently you were supposed to put in the sink to drain your dirty clothes water, but we were not made aware of that. Yeah. Before we started washing clothes. So it just started pouring out onto the floor, but let's get that heads up before you, Yeah, he, the host was like, Oh, I forgot to tell you. So not going to lie. A lot of it is Airbnb issues, but of course, there's Wi-Fi issues. Just yesterday, our Wi-Fi here went completely out for no reason. The power was on, which is a thing that happens in Cape Town. The power goes off every day. It's called load shedding, but the power was actually on at this point, and the Wi-Fi completely shut off when I had a meeting. Thankfully, I had a little Wi-Fi device in there. Those are amongst the most nerve-wracking situations I've ever had. As a like, you know all of a sudden... All of a sudden, you don't have Wi-Fi. You've got a meeting with your CEO or somebody important or a client, and you it looks awful. When exactly. you're traveling and you can't get internet, you, you, you just look terrible. You, you exactly. look like you're, you cannot do your job. And it's an a absolute terrible moment. Like, it's that feeling of just getting, like, pulled over by police officers. Like, oh, God, just like a gut drop. It's such a bad feeling. That's definitely the worst part about it is because you know that people are already looking at you a certain type of way for, you know, being in South Africa and working from South Africa. And then, you know, you want to, like, prove to them that 
you can do your job just as well from there and then you lose wi-fi and you're just like shit promise i've been working i promise i'm available i'm not incompetent yeah but you do have to overcompensate a bit don't you yeah because you are and people people get jealous they'll see your background i just i would just change my backgrounds because i didn't want them to see ocean stuff or pools or anything exactly. like that but you really have to go extra effort in the other direction don't you yeah that's definitely how i felt with my first job when so many people were in the office this one's a little bit better in that regard because it is a a travel company and b we are located all over the world so there's people in costa rica there's people in spain germany Argentina. So that helps a little bit. And, you know, since we are a travel company, obviously we all know and love travel. So it's a little bit easier to be like, look at my cool sunset background, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, that first job, I was definitely like, don't look at me. I'm just, I'm just here in front of a white wall. Don't worry about what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially because you're at Cafe de Olas looking over. Mm -hmm. 180 degree view of the ocean of Costa Rica, God. sipping on a pina colada. Yeah. I miss that place. That place. Was I miss amazing. that place. Amazing. Oh man, I would love to go back. To that place. So good. I mean, we've got a really terrible right now. But like yeah. now, we're talking about go- going from one fantasy land to another fantasy land. I know. Just absolutely spoiled in this lifestyle. Just in case anyone's wondering, that's in Santa Teresa, Costa Rica. If you want to go to Cafe de Olas, it is. Top top notch. Somebody told me that they paved that road finally. Oh yeah. So it's no longer a dirt road and it's somebody told me, Oh yeah, it's really, really packed now. It's like it was packed then. Yeah. So apparently I heard that as well. Definitely heard that and I also heard yeah, it's not any better. It 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 didn't exactly improve the town as as they probably thought it would. Yeah. Let's Let's switch gears a little bit here. Tell me about some of the common misnomers people have about the digital nomad life. Like we we talked about, yeah, you know, the amazing pool, you know, <laughs> like all of these fantasy types of things. But what are some things that people believe the digital nomad life is like that isn't actually like that? That isn't like that curated Instagram fantasy reel. I think the biggest one would be that we're not actually working. We are working. A lot of us, some, a lot of us, you know, some more than others. But, you know, I think a great example of that is we, you and I, and a group of our friends just went on a beautiful, amazing, lovely road trip down to Plettenberg. And, you know, when you see that on Instagram, it was a Wednesday and we were in this amazing villa. And what you didn't see was the entire dining room table full of laptops, chargers, devices, headphones, everyone. The dining room table was not eaten at one time because that was the work table, you know. So I think the biggest one is that we're not actually working. And then another one would probably just be that not everyone can do it, I guess, or that we're so lucky. You know, you hear that all of the time. And I would agree I am lucky, but also 
I made this a priority for myself. You know, a lot, a lot of jobs can be done online, obviously not all, but you have to make it a priority for yourself. You know, it's not just, oh, I wish I could do that. You're so lucky to do what you do. And it's like, yes, but that's because I made that conscious decision. Yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day. Somebody told them, oh, you're so lucky. She got pretty upset by that statement because he said, yeah, I worked my ass off to get to this point. I made a lot of life changes, a lot of career choices specifically so that I could do this. So it's not like this just fell in our laps. Like we've made a lot of calculated decisions in order to live this life. You're sacrificing every night of the week. Monday through Friday slash Saturday morning in order yeah. to make this work. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not like we all just lucked into this. It's not like we've got family money and everybody's just screwing off. No, like you said, we never used that dining room table because it was just octopus cables all over the place and people scrambling to get on calls and you know, people working yeah. late into the night. There's no there's no luck associated with this. It's just prioritization and hard work really so I, that's a really great mess number yeah and i will i do want to acknowledge passport privilege i know that as americans it is so much easier not only for us to travel but also to get these remote jobs so you know meeting some of the locals here in cape town i do recognize that it's much, much less common for them to have the the opportunity to work remotely. So I do want to acknowledge that as well. But for Americans, unless you're, you know, a doctor or <laughs> actually I have seen some, I don't know if you remember that. I've, there have been some sort of doctors or brain surgeons or nurses or something that like take leave yeah, and, and come on trips. So I've actually met them as well. But yeah, so if you're American, it's, um, it's just something that you have to decide you want to do and then do it. What would you say is a moment where you said, holy shit, my decision to become a digital nomad is awesome. Like, did, did you ever have that moment where oh my God, my life is so good. I don't regret one decision about it as it relates to being a digital. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We were, I was actually having this conversation in the car coming back from that road trip that I just mentioned where our dear friend Molly was talking about how she wants to remember to romanticize her life more because... I think when you do this all the time, that's, it's just what you do, you know? So sometimes you might not get so excited to, to go on a safari or, you know, ride ATVs down a private beach that nobody's on. But I think it's important to remember like that this is actually like in you know, an insane life that we're living. Oh, to answer your question, oh gosh, I try to have those moments often, you know, I think it's just like when you're actually working in a place that's like beautiful. So like in that moment, like in that villa in Plet, where 
I'm sitting outside. I'm on a call, but I can see, like, this beautiful sunset over the ocean, you know? That's when you're like, okay, this is really cool. Because, like, when you're not working, it's just kind of your daily life in another country. But it's when you get those, like, actually, like, really cool spots to actually work from. And you're looking at your laptop, but you can see this insane, like, sunset behind you. That's when I'm kind of like, all right, this is awesome. Yeah. I had one of those in Costa Rica. I stayed up in that treehouse thing, and it just overlooked the entire ocean. Yeah. I was like, and it was, again, a laptop moment. I was opening up my laptop, and I was working. And there's just that dichotomy of working wild in paradise and not on vacation Yeah, that clicks in my brain that's like, I'm okay, I'm being productive, but I'm also in the most beautiful place that I've ever seen in my life. Exactly. You know, so I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm not just, I'm not just freeloading. I'm actually working here, and my decisions led me to a beautiful place. Exactly. So there's a lot of moments like that, and I think I, I honestly need to work on, you know, getting excited about it more often. Because I, like I said, I think it's easy to just kind of fall into the routine of, oh yeah, I'm flying to South Africa for three months. And my friends back home will be like, are you so excited? And I'm like, honestly, not really. And I don't want that to sound like that I'm not appreciative because I am, but I don't know. It's just different when it's something that like you're doing constantly. Like I need to remember to be like, this is it's really not. fucking cool that I'm going to go live in South Africa for three months and work from there. And I've never been to Africa before. So that's something that I need to work on as well. I do too. It's, it's a natural part of just doing something over and over again. You get, it's not as new, like the airports aren't as exciting as they were when you first went on your first trip. And checking into and yeah, everybody, all of us hate airports. Yeah. Checking into an Airbnb doesn't have the same spice that it did the first time you did it. No. Nope. Just because it's just human nature because we do things over and over again and it just it's not the newness kind of runs out. So it's really important to remind ourselves. Yeah, like this is incredible. This us being in Cape Town would be something that if my parents went on a trip here, this would be the trip of their lifetime I talked about with their exactly. with their kids for the next 30 years. Kind of yeah. And this is just like another place in a sequence of like three places, three yeah. continents that I've been on in the last month. You know, it's like really, really does. You do have to pinch yourself. Go, oh, wait a minute. Slow down. This is incredible. Exactly. I'm so happy that we decided to do three months here because normally we'll do about one month in each place. And this first, I've already been here over a month and it went by so fast. A lot of that probably has to do with me working at night, but um, one month would not have been enough time for me at all. And that's kind of why I enjoy slow matting is to like actually feel like I'm living in the place and not just, you know, vacationing there. Same. Do you prefer to slow mat versus? Definitely. Definitely. the opposite you call? The fastest that I've moved was last summer. And that was because I did not have a job at that time. I went from working not remotely, which 
was a silly thing to try, but it was it was post-COVID and I was just bored of what I was doing. So I took a non-remote job for about six months and I was like, I hate this. And so I just up and quit without a backup plan. So that was kind of the time that I took to do it a little faster, like throughout Europe. Still had an amazing time for sure, but I need to be in a place for at least a month, like to even Same. unpack. Yeah. If I'm if I'm there for two weeks or less, I won't even take stuff out of my suit. Yeah. And no. it's like I you you'll settle in. You wanna settle in, you wanna get a feel for the best coffee shops. You wanna try all the nice restaurants that people are recommending. Get a feel for the culture, the the locals. You just don't have time to do it. And when you're working even a month, you know, you get maybe three full weekends, you know, like with all the travel in between the places. So it's like, okay, three full weekends is six days, you know, to like really, Mm -hmm. really get out there and enjoy with no work. So it's, it sounds like a long time, but it's really not when you break it down. So yeah, definitely happy to be here for, for so long. I'm loving it. So a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are not yet digital nomads, and they're just waiting to pull the triggers. What kind of recommendations, could be any recommendation, would you have for somebody that would be in those shoes? Sell your shit and just do it. Great answer. Yeah, no, it's definitely like, listen, if you're waiting for the perfect time, you're going to be waiting forever because you're always going to find an excuse to not do it. You will always, oh, it's this person's wedding that I have to go to, or, you know, it's, I just bought this couch and I don't want to get rid of it. So it could really, you could find any excuse to just keep putting it off and you can't do that. You have to, if it's something that you really want to do, obviously find the job. That's the biggest hurdle, you know, and then just do it. Stuff is stuff. It's going to go away. It's going to come back. You know, like I sold all my stuff when I left Asheville that I had bought less than a year before, you know, my couch, my tables, you know, all that stuff. So I would definitely say like, decide, is this actually a priority for me? Or is it something that just sounds cool? And then if it's, because it's not all sunshine and rainbows, you have to be dedicated to it. So if it is a priority, Get the job and go. Yeah, it's good advice. I can't tell you the amount of times I've bought and sold stuff. And yeah. in the end of the day, it's just stuff. Exactly. You, you realize how really, little stuff you need. You really don't need that much stuff. Like, <laughs> I love our emphasis on the word stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's just not, there's really not all that much. Even when you go to like, I still like I just go home three, four months a year at least. And all my stuff travels with me. I go home and I like pack my house full of my stuff that I travel with. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Like like seven shirts and three pairs of shorts, three pairs of jeans. But you don't need that much stuff. And even when you're packing, you only use like, I don't know, 
we, I was joking about that with Lori. She's on the podcast recently. And she's like, yeah, he's like third of my stuff. Mm-hmm. So you don't even need what you put in your suitcase. Yeah, I have like a few nicer outfits that I brought that I have not put on one time <laughs> over a month since I've been here. And yeah. I was even a little disappointed in myself for bringing a checked bag on this trip because I did Europe for, what was it, four or five months last summer with just a carry-on and a backpack. And people also think that's crazy. But I'm like, you just wear the same thing. <laughs> it's okay, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't really care if somebody sees my same shirt twice in a week. Yeah, like my Instagram is like literally the same like four outfits because those are like my cute outfits and those are the ones I take pictures in and you just got to stop caring about stupid shit like that. So where are you headed next? I'm actually going back to Istanbul. When? I just decided that like two days ago. I booked... News to me. Thanks for the I heads know. up. I know. I just, just booked it. I think it was two days ago. So basically... I'm going to Japan in April, and I kind of needed somewhere to be in between here and Japan, and really liked Istanbul, and again, it's a very economical option, so I'm just basically going to go spend two weeks there before I head to Japan, because Japan is very expensive, so I just kind of needed somewhere else to be for a few weeks. But then I'm going to Kyoto, Japan, and I'm very excited about that. And then I don't have any plans post-May because I'm not a planner, and I just go where the wind takes me. Mexico, Colombia. Colombia, there you go. the wind take you there? You, there we go. You were the one who got me to Costa Rica just by get you again. sheer bullying into it. <laughs> I came st- basically... It was just a daily text that said, just do it. Stop yeah, being a baby. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, I'm in Barcelona what? right now. And you're like, I don't care. So <laughs> then I came to Costa Rica and I had an amazing time. And I met some that of my right. best friends. So yep. thanks yep, for that. that well thanks so much for joining me today coco i appreciate it of course jeff anytime i'm honored that you would ask me thanks everybody for joining us today don't forget to join our email list that's speechcommute.com backslash you've got marissa's remote job listing she sends out two remote jobs every single week so you don't have to go through the process of going scouring through job boards and finding the perfect remote job she's already curating that list for you and a lot of updates to come on that front in the next couple of weeks. Maybe some more opportunities coming your way. And thanks everybody for joining. And we will see you again next week.